We'll continue our Bible study on Sunday evenings as long as the Lord will allow. Young people are memorizing that book, and so that's how it got started. And we're going to work our way through this. If the Lord allows, we'll go through the whole book together. Philippians chapter number two tonight, and just a few verses in Philippians chapter number two. One other announcement I wanted to make mention of is uh, I, I know this Wednesday is the, uh, the uh, day before Thanksgiving, and I'm not one to feel like we have to preach on holidays. But um, brother, Pastor Sowsley, which is Layla's father, is coming to pick her up for Thanksgiving. He's going to be with us on Wednesday evening. And I asked him to preach the Wednesday night service. So when you see him, please make him feel at home and welcome. I don't know if many of you have even met Pastor Sowsley. Years ago, I don't remember how many years back, I went to his church. And I don't know if it was a revival meeting or what it was. Uh, do you remember? What was it? Missions Conference. And so at their church, and it's been a long time ago on that, and uh, now he's in Missouri. What's the city there? West Plains, Missouri. And so anyway, I think that uh, I don't see him very often either. But uh, again, he'll be with us on Wednesday night. and hope you'll make him feel at home. He'll be preaching for us uh, during that evening service. Philippians ship number two now. Uh, Churchman, let's read the text together, and then we'll uh, review just a little bit, and then I want to preach out of these verses here. It's verse number 19. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 19, down to verse 24. Paul says this, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon I shall see how it will go with me." But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come uh, shortly. Church, let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Fill us now with your spirit. And Lord, as we look at Timothy tonight, some things that are applicable, whether man or woman, uh, Father, to all of us tonight. And uh, these, again, interesting, Lord, as far as Paul and Timothy and their relationship and how Timothy was a help to Paul. And Lord, help us again to be your servant and again, duplicate this tonight. Lord, if there's someone in the service not saved tonight, would you draw them to yourself? And God, thank you for saving us. Thank you again for your son, Jesus. We ask now all these things in his son's name. Amen. Paul, again, the book of Philippians. Paul is in prison. Uh, while he's in prison, he's writing this letter, what we call an epistle. He's writing it to the church at Philippi. The church was started from what we understand in Acts number 16. There were three people that were saved that we know of. The first one being saved was Lydia, seller of purple. The second one was that demon-possessed slave girl. Uh, demon was cast out. She became a believer. And the third one was the Philippian jailer. Of course, uh, Paul was cast into prison. That's where he met him. From those three uh, converts that we know of, obviously this church at Philippi was started. And uh, Paul is now in prison in Rome, and he's writing back uh, this letter. Verse number one of chapter number one says he's writing to the saints, deacons, and bishops. And so he's writing to the church uh, of these various things. I am not going to review all the way back to chapter number one, but if I can just say about chapter number two, Paul uses four different people as examples to the church at Philippi. Now, some of this will overlap with things that we've already discussed. But in verses number 1, I think it's down to verse number 12, or verse number 11, excuse me, one, verse 1 through 11, the example that Paul gives is Jesus Christ. That's why he said in verse number 5, he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And so in verses number 1 through 11, he uses the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verses number, again, he's talking to the church at Philippi as far as an example that they should follow. And I think all of us would be in agreement, the best example is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 12 down through verse number 18 Paul uses himself as an example. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul is talking to them, and he says, hey, listen, you've behaved or done, been obedient 
uh, without my presence and much more without my presence. And Paul says, hey, listen, when I was there, I taught you some things and I showed you some things. And he says, now I'm in prison and by my sacrifice. He talks about Jesus Christ and his humility. He talks about Paul's sacrifice as far as the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this being an example to the church at Philippi. The one we want to look at tonight is about Timothy, and that's verses number 19 through verse 24. And then if you notice in verse 25 to the end of the chapter, it's about Epaphroditus. And you probably have his name circled as long with, along with Timotheus. But these are different people that Paul's using for an example. Now, let me say a couple more statements here. Timothy was Paul's representative. When you get to Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus was Philippi's representative. In other words, Timothy was the one that Paul was Paul and Timothy. Timothy worked with Paul, and Paul was going to send Timothy back to Philippi. Epaphroditus was the one that was from the church at Philippi that had come to where Apostle Paul was. Two separate ideas and two, two separate characters. So Timothy is Paul's representative, and, and Epaphroditus is the Philippi's representative. Now tonight, here's what I want to talk to you for just a little bit tonight on this thought. Paul's representative being Timothy. To be honest with you, in the study of this, I find that there, this uh, study of Timothy in these verses, now Timothy's mentioned 28 times in the New Testament. We have two books of the Bible that are mentioned after him. Paul and Timothy's relationship was, was very, very close. In fact, closer than any other person Paul worked with. Closer than Silas, Paul and Silas. Closer than Barnabas. Closer than the apostles. He had a relationship with Timothy that is really bar none from the rest of them. In fact, when you look at the statements mentioned about Paul and Timothy throughout the scriptures in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 2. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. 1 Timothy 1, 2. My own son in the faith. Uh, mentioned three or four times. Timothy, our brother in the New Testament. Uh, Romans 16, 21. Timotheus, my work fellow. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Timotheus, who is my beloved son. There's several sta statements of endearment that were between Apostle Paul and Timothy. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's going to overlap tonight. And again, I just want to say it, uh, make the statement. I really look at Timothy and Paul's relationship almost like a pastor and, a, and an assistant relationship. And ladies, this is not this, this uh, I want you to understand this message tonight is for all of us because there's character traits in Timothy's life that caused Paul to say, there's no other fellow like this fellow. And by the way, it doesn't matter if the relationship is a husband-wife relationship. You are a helpmeet to your husband. I still think these same character traits should be the same character traits that a husband and wife should have in their relationship as an assistant would be with a pastor and assistant relationship or even as a member and pastor relationship. I think there's uh, this broad spectrum here. But with the interpretation of the passage, I want to deal with tonight that Apostle Paul was sending Timothy back to Philippi. Remember now, Paul's in prison. He can't go. So Paul says, I've got no other fellow like-minded that I can send back to you than this fellow called Timotheus. There are four things that Paul mentions about Timothy's life, and I want to look at those four things tonight. And I think all of us should have these things in our life. All right, so let's look at them uh, together. Look at your Bible now in verse number 20. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 20. I'm going to back up. I want to read verse 19 again. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul says, I'm ex I, I want to send Timothy to get the update so when the update comes back, I can be comforted in my own mind that what's going on at Philippi is right and going forward. Look what he says next in verse number 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And I want to start with that first phrase tonight. Paul says in verse number 20, talking about T Timothy, he says, For I have no man like-minded. Like-minded. 
Now, if you, Trisha, may bear with me tonight. I want to use this in the interpretive, uh, in the context tonight, and then we'll make application tonight. Paul's talking about Timothy, and he says, listen, I'm sending somebody who thinks like I think. He says he's like-minded. Now, that, that idea of being of a similar spirit, a, 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 a being on the same page together. In other words, what I'm thinking, this is exactly what he's thinking. I want to just tell you something as a pastor. I like it when staff is on the same page. I know it's going to be an unusual message tonight, but I can't take away from the context of what's going on here because what Paul was talking about is Timothy worked with Apostle Paul. Can I just tell you at the Heritage Baptist Church, we've got some wonderful staff, and I want to tell you what makes staff wonderful when they're like-minded. Hey, by the way, I want to make some other statements here. Thank you. If you're not like-minded and you're not on the same page, you shouldn't be a staff member. And I've got nobody, I'm not using the, the pulpit to whip anybody tonight. I'm not just, I'm just, I just want to clear the air with everybody that if you can't be loyal to somebody, then you shouldn't be on staff. Amen. Now, I don't know of anybody that's not loyal, but I think every once in a while, you need to be reminded that as a staff member, God's given you an opportunity and a privilege that he has not afforded to everybody else. Right. And you might not, and, and if you're not careful, you look at what other people are making as far as their jobs and what they have, but you have an opportunity to serve God full time. And I want to tell you something, Timothy he didn't take lightly that he got to work with Apostle Paul. And by the way, no comparison when it comes to the church of Apostle Paul, but the ministry is a blessing. Amen. The ministry is not a curse. And by the way, if you think the ministry is a curse, you shouldn't be in the ministry. Right. And Paul, Paul says, hey, listen, I just want to tell you something about Timothy is, is that he is like-minded. He is of the same taste. He's of the same opinions. He's of the same spirit. He's like-minded. And I think about all the people that Paul came in contact with that he could not say that about. I mean, he didn't say that about Barnabas or Silas or even Peter or Titus, different people that he had contact. He said, I have no man like-minded. Church family, it's interesting that when Paul wrote the last chapter of the book of Romans, he greets all of these different people that were at Rome and he makes reference to them. But Timothy stood out in the crowd, and the reason he stood out in the crowd is because he was going the exact same direction that Apostle Paul was going. Amen. I want to tell you, I think a lot of times preachers get, um, uh, I, I don't know if offended is the right word, they, they get discouraged in the sense that because the church is not on the same page. The church is not going the same direction. The pastor is trying to lead them, uh, and by the way, the way a pastor should lead them. Soul winning is still the way that you tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Missions is still part of the scriptures that we should be sending the gospel to a lost and dying world. Being separate from the world is not something that we should, we should shun. It's something that we should preach. And we should shun when it comes to separation from the world, ecclesiastical separation. We don't yoke up with every other church out there. It's not, it's not us, us four and no more, okay? We believe that this Bible right here teaches that there's a pattern to the church, and it's what we call the New Testament pattern of a church. We don't yoke up with every other church that doesn't follow that pattern right there. It's called ecclesiastical separation. There's personal separation or moral separation. I have people ask me sometimes, says, well, how come those scriptures you use in the Old Testament, even about the dress of a man and a woman? He says that if a man puts that which pertains to a woman, and if a woman wears that which pertains to a man, that's an abomination. And people want to say, well, that's Old Testament, or that's in the same chapter where they had two different cloths together. What a person doesn't understand about the Old Testament is this, is that God had ceremonial law, which was to the priest. He had dietary laws, which was to the Jews. And he had moral law, which is to all mankind. An abomination is still an abomination today as just as an abomination was there. Why? Because it was moral law. 
We, we've gotten away from this thing about what the scripture actually teaches, and it's because pastors, man, they, they, they're afraid of the offense of others. Church, I mean, I love you, and I don't want to offend you, but this book hasn't changed. Society has changed, culture has changed, churches has changed, but Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what happens is, is pastors get discouraged because the church, the church that they're leading is not on the same page. I'm going to tell you, like my, watch me now, like-mindedness is not being like-minded of the pastor. Like-mindedness is two people having the same mind of Christ. Philippians chapter number two, verse number five, he said, let this mind be in you. But when you go back and look at verse, look at verse number one with me. Philippians chapter two, look at verse number, is it one? Verse number two. Philippians two, verse number two. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be, what's the word? Like-minded. And then he goes right into verse number five, talking about what that mind is. It's being of one mind because of one person. What's the one person that we, that we follow? Talk to me now. It's Jesus Christ. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about the pastor. It's not about a pope. It's about we're all supposed to be following one person. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. If this book, the written word, is, is Jesus Christ, the living word, then that we need to be following Christ. And whatever Christ says, that's what we're supposed to do. So Paul says, hey, listen, I just want to tell you, I'm thrilled that I can send a good representative. And that representative, he's a good one because he's like-minded. Just remember, we ought to be like-minded. You know, I know that we're going we're gonna to have differences of opinion about various things. And, some, and by the way, some things don't matter, okay? Can I just tell you, political opinions really don't matter because we're not staying here. My citizenship's in heaven. I'm thankful that I'm an American citizen, and I don't want to go to any other foreign countries. I love America. I think it's the greatest country in all the world. But I want to tell you something. We don't have to. We, and by the way, I think right now we're probably much on the same page when it comes to what's going on politically. It's garbage. But anyway. <clears throat> But I want to just tell you something. We should not be uh, divisive when it comes to being political. Because I want to tell you something. There's something more important than who's the president of the United States. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to tell you what's more important is telling people that without Jesus Christ, they're going to go to a sinner's hell. They need Christ as their savior. That's more important than who's the president of the United States. We ought to be like-minded about things. And our like-mindedness does not come from who's preaching behind a pulpit. Our like-mindedness comes because of the book that we hold in our hand. This does not change. Paul said, hey, listen, I've got a good representative sending these because he's like-minded. And I want to tell you, we as God's people ought to be like-minded. Something else I want you to see also in verse number 20. Not only was Timothy like-minded, he says, this is a good representative, and here's why. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Uh, I think that's a pretty powerful statement because I want to tell you something. None of us naturally care. You know why we care? We care because somebody does something for us. You know why we care? Because it's a blood relative, your son, your daughter. But you're me, I don't think that we naturally, that's a pretty powerful statement. You know what Paul was saying? He says, I'm going to send you a good representative to the church at Philippi, and here's the representative. He naturally cares for you. The word care means to have concern, to be anxious for somebody else. We, we are so consumed with ourselves, we have lost our concern for others. The person who walks out the door next door to you, are they saved? Do they know Christ? I didn't say what church do they go to. Are they saved? That family member that you're going to see and you're a first-generation Christian and on Thanksgiving, you're going to be with them. 
you're so concerned about what they're going to think about you because you're quote unquote the Christian in the group. But the concern should not be what they think about you. The concern should be what you think about them. You know, again, I cannot separate Paul and Timothy in my mind as far as the interpretation of the passage. And I think of the Heritage Baptist Church, and I think the people who work f- with us, I don't like Boss's Day. I don't like the term boss whatsoever. They, on Boss's Day, they're always nice to me, and they do something. But I don't like the term Boss's Day because I'm not anybody's boss. God's the boss. Amen. And I'm thankful that I get to work with the, the staff of the Heritage Baptist Church, both in the school, Mercy and Truth, college, et cetera. And it's just a wonderful thing. And it is a privilege for me. And I know sometimes I'm probably a headache to, to the staff. I, I, I do sometimes do things, not very often, spontaneously. Um, I, I know sometimes that the change of schedule. Uh, I, I can, Brother Mize, I can talk about him because he's, he's my friend. But Brother Mize, at his age, he, he doesn't like change. And he likes to know ahead of time. And when I, when I spring things on him, oh, it, it's, it, it tests his spirituality. But I can say this one thing, beyond my idiosyncrasies, I really believe that we have a staff that is concerned about people. I know, I know they're not perfect, I'm not perfect, but I want to just tell you something. Can I tell you what Apostle Paul thought? Apostle Paul said, I'm going to send you my best representative because he's not only like-minded, he cares about you. So show me, do you care about people? I'm not talking about just your family. I'm not talking about just your children. I'm not talking about just your husband or wife. Do you care about people? What's going on in somebody's life? And what's going on when, when, when somebody uh, says, hey, listen, would you pray for this because it's a, it's a concern to them? Are you concerned about it? Paul said, I, Paul said writing to, to the church of Philippi, Paul wanted to be there, but Paul couldn't be there. But he says, listen, I'm going to send somebody as if, it was I, as if it was me coming because I care for you. This guy cares for you. Paul's representative was a person who was like-minded, and we're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be like-minded. Paul's representative was Timothy. We're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. We ought to have a natural care for people. We ought to be concerned about people. If Christ cares for us, 1 Peter 4, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. If Christ cares for us, that's what he wants for us as Christians to do for others. In the story of the Good Samaritan, in Luke chapter number 10, verse number 34, it talks about the Good Samaritan, and it says, and he went to him, the good Samaritan, to the man that was wounded, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an end, and took care of him. Amen. Took care of him. Took care of him. Something else I see, not only was he naturally cared for others, look at verse number 21. Paul talking about Timothy. <laughs> this is unbelievable. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Now, church family, verse 21 is in reference to Timothy. Because in verse number 20, Paul says, hey, listen. He says, for I have no man, talking about Timothy, like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. What Paul was trying to say is Paul's writing the church of Philippi, and he says, listen, I'm in Rome right now with all of these Christians, and I can't get anybody to come to you except for one person. And that one person's named Timothy, and the reason he's willing to come is because he's not so concerned about him, his schedule, his family, his time. He's concerned about the things about Christ, and that's why he's coming. You ever thought about that, just that, that verse about yourself? 
Could Paul writing about good Christians, but who were not best Christians, but Paul was writing about those other believers that were around him. He said, for all seek their own. You know, church, we have to be careful that we keep the proper balance of God making us a husband or a wife or, or, or a teacher or whatever responsibility, maybe spiritual responsibility of a Sunday school class or a Christian day school. Will you, don't, mother, father, do not lose the balance of seeking your own and seeking the things of Christ. I want to tell you, this thing is really getting out of whack of your, your family. God gave you the family, and that's what you need to take care of. Can I just tell you, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. The pendulum can still be balanced in the middle when it comes to family and when it comes to the things of God. You can still have that balance. I'm sick and tired of hearing pastors take off. They have to have off every Monday. That is foolishness, by the way. Okay, one of us agree. <laughs> Just remember, I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're so gracious, it's, it's, it's beyond graciousness as far as when it comes to me as your pastor. The liberty you give us and the things that you take care of us as far as my family, I have zero complaints. But I want to tell you something. This thing of, you know, my family, don't call me on Monday. I don't know if you know that, but pastors do that. Monday is their day off or Friday is their day off. Whatever their day off, the congregation is supposed to know it and they're not supposed to bother him on that particular day. Show me that one in the scripture. Amen. There are times for the pastor to be away. There are times for the pastor to take that, that rest, just like Jesus did with the disciples. But that's not every, every week. And I want to tell you something. Christians, if we're not careful, we have sucked in because a few fellas have, have shunned their families, pastors and ministry people, ministry people, have shunned their families, not taken their children, not ruled over their family, and have made a mess of their lives. And so we use those as the example. And so what we do now say is you need to have every Monday off. I just, I just went to a conference here not too long ago, and one of, the, one of the class sessions was on how pastors need to take a sabbatical, and that, that pastor had taken a two-month sabbatical. Now, I don't know what you think about sabbaticals. I didn't even know what a sabbatical was. I thought it was a, a, another name for uh, the Sabbath day or something. And the whole teaching was teaching ministry workers, on, uh, pastors of churches, how they need to have time away from their church. Now, church, I, mean, I want to tell you something. If God wants to have time away, I don't mind having time away. But I want to just tell you what's most important and what's supposed to be most important. The things of Christ. The things of Christ. We have accepted the world's philosophy when it comes to ministry of having sick days and personal days and... and uh, uh, the biggest one that I, I still get a kick out of, okay, is when the husband gets weeks off of work because his wife is having a baby. Go figure. Hey, by the way, if I were you, I would take every day they give you because if, if, if your job wants to throw money out the window and give you money, take it. But that's not ministry. That's crazy. Okay, thank you. I'm just trying to tell you tonight that if we're not careful, we will cause so many of these, our own, notice the, the statement in the verse, our O-W-N, our own things to take the place of the Christ things. Can I just tell you, Christ is supposed to be most important and you, you will not have to exclude family or even your job. God knows how to balance our lives by putting him first and everything else falling in place after that. It's not impossible. 
He sought the things of Christ. He says, Paul, writing to the, to the, to the church at Philippi, he says, listen, I'm sending you somebody, and he's, he's the best representative I possibly could send. His name's Timothy. He's like-minded. He thinks like I think. He's, a, he's not only like-minded, he cares about people. He's got a concern for you. He says, not only that, he doesn't look at his own things. He looks at the things of Christ. He puts Christ first in his life. The last one is not only interesting, I think it's probably the most important. Look what he says next in, ver- in, your, in your Bible there. Look at verse number 22. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. And I really want you to really notice the word proof. But ye know, church of Philippi, you know, church of Philippi, the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. You know what Paul said about his representative? This guy's been tested. The word proof there, the proof of him, the word proof there means test. He says, this guy has proven himself. He's he's been tested. I've been thinking about this here recently. And I don't know how many more people are going to come out of the Heritage Baptist Church as far as what the Lord wants. And to be honest with you, I think more people need to come out of the Heritage Baptist Church uh, as far as servants of God, whether it's a missionary or a pastor or a preacher or, or Christian day school. It's not just a matter of having a college. It's a matter of the people who grow up here understanding that ministry ought to be your life and you ought to at least be surrendered to whatever God's will is for your life if he wants you to be in ministry. I think we all figured out, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's all staying here. One day I'm going to be with Christ and walk on streets of gold. What I do with my life for Christ is what's most important. Okay, but sometimes we say that with our mouth, but we don't mean it with our life or our actions. But listen to me, church family. As much as I want, the fellows are over here, as much as I want some of these teen fellows here to, to surrender to God's will for their life and to go into ministry, if a person is not proven, they should not go. Listen, I want to tell you something. If a person can't teach a Sunday school class here, why would somebody be able to teach a Sunday school class at a, and pastor a church somewhere else? If a person can't uh, run a bus route here, how, how is it they're going to try to run a bus route on the foreign field? Everything about ministry is this is the testing ground. If I can't pass the test here, I shouldn't be trying to go do it somewhere else. The reason Brother Mark Obshindek, it's a little bit different by bringing somebody else in, but Brother Mark Obshindek has proven himself that he's going to be able to pastor that church because of his, his testimony as far as back in Providence, uh, in Indiana, Elgin, Illinois, because of 11 years working as a youth pastor, there was a testing ground to prove, hey, listen, this, this guy is, do you understand, uh, do you understand, come here, Timothy, you're my helper, all right, come over here a second here tonight, all right, come on up here, kneel, uh, st- st- kneel, kneel down this direction, kneel down right there. When somebody comes to the laying on of hands, by the way, David Smith uh, before he goes in January, we'll have uh, his ordination service, all right? No, I know this is in David Pretend. When, when I and the deacons come up and we lay hands, and of course the church family prays together, the fellows come and pray. The, when we pray over them, uh, over them, and that we ordain them, the Bible calls it the laying on of the hands, there's no power. Do you feel anything? <laughs> there's no electricity going through these hands and fingers. There's nothing. The laying on of the hands is an outward show of the authority of the church that says this guy is prepared and ready for the gospel ministry. The laying on of the hands, there's there's nothing that goes through my veins into his, zero. 
It's just saying this church has approved you. You have shown, you have proven that you can go out and do the ministry that God has called you to do. And this church is putting its stamp of approval on it. Can I, can I tell you what, why Paul said, I can send Timothy? He's proven it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You're a big help. Better stop sitting on the front row. Hey, listen, young people. You do not do things to be seen of men. But men can only see what you do. I want to pastor a church and you can't even show up for soul winning. Do you understand that Paul said, Church of Philippi, that, you remember Timothy? He worked with me like a father and son in the gospel. That's why I have no apprehension about sending him. He's already proven he's going to do it. Now, church, I mean, can we make the application tonight? I know that we're walking through Philippians. There's no way of changing the interpretation. We wouldn't want to do that. The interpretation is really clear. Apostle Paul said, I've got somebody that I can send to you. And the reason I can send to you is because, number one, he's like-minded. Number two, he, can, he has a, gener- a natural concern for others, for people. He said he's not about his own things. He's about the things of Christ. And he's been proven. And that's why I can send Timothy to you because he's the, the perfect representative for me. Church family, you're a representative of Christ. When people see you, they ought to see a Christian. Could God say tonight, hey, that job situation, I got the person, perfect person to send into there. The light that's going to be there, I got the, he's, that person, he's like-minded. That, that, that person has a, a natural or a real concern for, for the lost, Amen. for other people. Right. That person is not concerned about making money. He's concerned about the things that are important to me, Jesus Christ. That's the kind of person. That's my representative. Amen. That representative, he was, he's been proven. You know why? Because it hasn't been a week or a month or a year there's been years of faithfulness of serving God and faithful to church and giving their tithes and offerings and trying to get the gospel. That's my representative. Yeah, amen. You ought to be a good representative. Amen. Tonight's message, I, I couldn't help but think about, and I'm not going to, but I, th- I could not help but think about uh, different staff, member, staff members that represent Timothy. You're talking years of faithfulness. Amen. I have staff members that, uh, and church members too, I guess, but I have staff members and church members that a person would never go be critical or be a tailbearer to them because they're so like-minded, like the pastor, they're not going to go tell them anything. <laughs> Paul said, that, that's my Timothy. Church family, all of us are a representative for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should have these same four qualities that Timothy had. We should have them in our own life. If you're married, if you're a church member, if you're a Christian, you ought to be like-minded when it comes to the things of God. You ought to have a natural concern for others. You ought to be seeking the things of Christ and not not just your own things. And you ought to be proven. You You ought to be faithful. You ought to be tested. That, hey, listen, I'm going to stay the course no matter what. That's the kind of Christian we should all be.
maybe tonight we should ask the Lord to help us with that. Would you bow your head and close?